Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. Today, we are in week two of our sermon series called Job and the Questions of Suffering. And what we're doing in this series is we're exploring this beautifully strange yet life-transforming ancient text in order to wrestle with and try to make sense of suffering. Why it happens, how we're called to respond, how to care for others who are suffering, but most importantly, to see where God fits in all of this. So last week, as we jumped into the first two chapters of Job, what we discovered as this parable opens up is it's telling us about this man who is not only blessed beyond measure, right, the Bill Gates of the ancient world, but a man who is basically perfect, blameless, and upright in all of his ways. Then after opening up with that description, we find this story moving from earth and the story about Job into the heavenly throne room of God. And what's going on in that most sacred of places is God offering up his servant Job to the Satan. In Hebrew, the Hasatan. And remember, Satan here, Hasatan here, is not a reference to the devil the way we think about it in the New Testament, but instead is a reference to a position on God's divine counsel whose job it is to seek out those who are faithful and to begin to test them to see if they really are faithful to God or not. And so... The response the Satan has to God as he has him consider Job is the Satan basically says, hey, God, the reason he's faithful to you is because you blessed him beyond measure. Who wouldn't be faithful to a God who was blessed like that? Or in other words, the reason why Job really, really likes you and is faithful is because you've given him everything. But if you would take away those blessings along with his health and he would curse you to your face. And so with that conversation, Satan is allowed by God to go out and test Job by taking all of his blessings, his wealth, his children, along with his health to see if he will remain faithful. And as you guys know, there's, there's nothing worse than that. There's nothing worse than what Job went through. I think that's why the parable is so powerful. It puts you into that darkest place that we can imagine in the world. But surprisingly, what we find after all Job's nightmares come true in an instant as he is tested by the Hasatan is that Job doesn't end up cursing God to his face. But instead, he blesses God even in the darkness. Or Job, in spite of losing everything, remains faithful and never sins against God. Which I think we can all agree is absolutely mind-blowing given what's happened to him. So now that we have set the foundation for this parable by examining the strangeness and the wonderfulness of chapter 1 and 2 in Job, to get into the very important truth that we're going to be wrestling with today, what we need to do to really understand what's going on in chapter 3 is we need to attempt to walk a mile in Job's shoes. Or we need to try to imagine what it would be like to face the tragedies that Job faced and remember. Not only did Job lose all of his wealth and property in an instant, but he lost all of his children along with his health. So, just imagine 
You're going along, living the blessed life. Everything is great and wonderful. Maybe your life is that way right now. And then experiencing the worst case scenario happen to you. Maybe you lose a job. Maybe your spouse in turn loses their job. And then in some freak accident, all of your property, all of your wealth burns up in a strange fire. And then to make it worse, you find out most of your family members have died in a tragic car accident. And if that's not bad enough, which it is, which is horrible, that's the, that's the point of this parable. Imagine getting a call from the doctor's office as you're trying to make sense of all that, as you're wrestling with all of that. And they inform you that you have a severe form of cancer. And you're going to have to spend the next couple of months suffering as you enter into chemo and radiation. Because in a modern way, that's basically where Job finds himself at the end of chapter 2. So, in putting yourself in that place, in trying to walk a mile in Job's shoes, how do you think you'd really respond to that situation? Where do you think you'd go with that? It's easy to read these books and to go, oh, yeah, yeah, Job's got it all figured out. But how do you think you'd really respond? Well, before you jump to the conclusion that Job just accepted his suffering and moved on because he had faith in God, or that Job was kind of like an emotionless robot and he kept it all together, even though this bomb went off in his life, What you will encounter as you begin reading chapter 3 is that even though Job remained faithful to God, the the text is clear on that, he still felt the weight of this tragedy with every part of his being. Because when he does finally speak, this is the despair, desperation, and depression that comes spewing out of his mouth. And I'm going to read from the Bible, or excuse me, I'm going to read from the message translation because it gives us a better sense of modern English what's going on here. It says this, Job says, obliterate the day I was born, blank out the night I was conceived, let it be a black hole in space. May God above forget it ever happened, erase it from the books. May the day of my birth be buried in deep darkness, shrouded by the fog, swallowed by the night. And the night of my conception, take it, rip it off the counter, delete it from the almanac. Oh, turn that night into pure nothingness. No sounds of pleasure from that night ever. May those who were good at cursing curse that day, unleash the sea beast Leviathan upon it. May its morning stars turn to black cinders, waiting for a daylight that never comes, never once seeing the first light of dawn. And why? Why do I long for all of this? Because it released me, this day released me from my mother's womb into a life with so much trouble. Or what comes pouring out of Job when he finally opens his mouth? Is not happiness and joy and that God must have a plan and I have to accept that plan because God knows best. No, instead what comes pouring out of the mouth of Job, even though he remains faithful, is that he wishes he had never been born. Or instead of asking just to die, as many people would in that particular circumstance, Job goes on and on about how he wishes he would never have been, never even conceived. Because for him, in that horrible place, his situation is so dark and so overwhelming, he feels that it would have been better for him to never have experienced all of the blessing and the goodness of life, right? The the children, the blessing, the, the wealth, all of that stuff. He feels it would have been better for him to never have been born than to experience all of that and now be going through what he's going through. 
or what I want you to notice about Job's response is that this is not a logical man thinking clearly about reality. He's not sitting around doing constructive theology. He's not trying to figure out everything. No, this is a man whose suffering is so heavy that what comes pouring out of his mouth are all of the emotions that he is feeling in that dark place. Or just listen to the hopelessness as he continues to vent. Why didn't I die at birth? My first breath, out of the womb, my last. Why were there arms to rock me, breasts for me to drink from? I could be resting in peace right now, asleep forever, feeling no pain. In the company of kings and statesmen in their royal ruins. Or with princes resplendent in their gold and silver tombs. Why wasn't I stillborn and buried with all the babies who never saw light? Where the wicked are no longer troubled by anyone and bone-weary people get a long-deserved rest. Prisoners sleep undisturbed, never again to wake up to the bark of their guards. The small and the great are equal in that place and slaves are free from their masters. Again, what Job is getting at is he finds no relief from this emotional pain of losing his children and his wealth along with experiencing the physical pain because of all the boils all over his body. He can't get any relief is that if he would have never been born, he would have never had to experience the loss and the pain that has now taken over his life. Or just imagine how hard life has to be for people to consider life or death to be better than living. That's the place where Job finds himself. That's the reality that this parable is putting in front of us and saying, sit with that. This is what's going on here. So how many of you are feeling a bit depressed at this point? Yeah. You should be. That's what this book is trying to do. It's trying to take you into like the worst possible place that you can go. But even though this no doubt has to be one of the most depressing and hopeless chapters you will read in the entire Bible, the brilliance of what this parable is trying to get us to see as we walk through this darkness with Job, is that the reality of suffering is not just something we can write off or push away or try to make sense of logically. No, suffering is a reality that by its very nature is difficult and gut-wrenching and painful even for those who are holding on to God with everything that they've got. Which means what Job's response does for us, or the truth that this chapter brings to light, at least in my humble opinion, or what this teaches us about how to deal with suffering is that it actually gives us permission even while remaining faithful, to acknowledge, express, and experience, not repress or explain away the pain, anguish, and hopelessness we feel when tragedy does happen, just like Job. Or this chapter shows us that in response to this difficult life, that no matter what is going on inside of us, the rage, the depression, the hopelessness, the fear, the anxiety, the questions, whatever is going on, that we are free to not only be honest with ourselves, but we are free to be honest with the creator of the universe. Or we are free to vent, to cry, 
to let all the emotions and everything we are feeling come spilling out of us, even if what we have to say in those places is a bit of crazy talk, it's irrational, it doesn't make any sense. Like Job saying, I wish I had never been born. It's not a logical man trying to give you a theological truth. That's a broken man in a place expressing how hard, how overwhelming his life really is. Or for those of you who are struggling right now because of what has happened or what is happening to you. You know, maybe that's uh, you're having trouble in your marriage. Maybe you've got a friend who is dealing with a severe illness. Maybe you've got an illness. Or for many of you, which is my struggle this week, you're struggling with the loss of Jessica Nelson. A young mother with two girls and a husband who lost her battle to cancer this week at 42 years young. And what I believe Job is teaching us in this gut-wrenching moment is that like a teapot has to let off steam to keep from blowing up and destroying itself, you need to know it's okay. In fact, it's even a good thing to let the sadness, fear, loneliness, anger, and depression out in whatever way it comes out so you can finally get some relief. And the reason we can do this ultimately is because we trust that our God is big enough to take anything that comes spewing out of us. Our God understands where we are in those dark places. And even more than that, for me, my experience over and over, and I've been doing this for 20 years. I have been in some horrible places in my life. Some darkness that none of you, I hope, ever has to experience. But the one thing that I can tell you about those dark places is that they're always light. In the midst of all of that, God continues to show up over and over and over again. Now, I know that's not the warm and fuzzy sermon that uh, you guys probably wanted to hear this morning. I know it's a gut-wrenching thing, but the truth is, what I love about this parable, what I love about this book, is that it actually gives us what we need to face anything difficult. It shows us, in a sense, that our first step is not to ignore what is going on inside of us when things are falling apart, but to let it out. And maybe that's you get in a room, you shut the door, you start screaming, you go out in a field, you start screaming, or maybe you talk to a friend. Whatever it is, you've got to let that out, knowing that God will meet you there in that place and help you walk out of that darkness, which it, it do, you don't think you can get out of, and back into the light. Let us pray. Father, again, the, the weight of what Job has to teach us, it's, it's a lot. And to try to put ourselves in those places or to feel 
uh, what many of us are going through this week, I mean, it really is something that just overwhelms us. So today, help us to learn from Job crying out that he wishes he was never born, that, that you have given us permission that when tragedy does strike, to be honest with ourselves and to be honest with you, knowing that you are a God who, who can take whatever. But even more than that, that understands what we're going through and meets us there to give us exactly what we need to walk out of the darkness and back into the light. Even if in those moments we can't quite see it. We ask this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.